What's up, everybody? We are here for Journey Doses today in Santa Barbara with one of our new friends. We're super excited to have him with you and us. So here he is. This is Sam Weist. He's going to give a little introduction to himself because, honestly, we don't know that much about him yet. <laughs> but we want to know. He's going to give us a rundown. Here we go. We Sam. know he's cool enough, though, to be here. Like, he's got some interesting things to share. Which is why he's here. We just yeah. we, we came across him at a coffee shop, a friend of a friend, and we had to have him on. So, yeah. thanks for joining us today, Sam. Thanks What's up, dude? Me. What's yeah. going on? Yeah. Um, so, so, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> and why? <laughs> and why? Well, that's a whole other story. Yeah. But who am I? Um, I think right now the title that fits me most is acupuncturist, um, which is what I've been doing for several years now. I've worked... Um, just started working in Santa Barbara, also practicing Twena, which is a form of Chinese medical massage. Um, so it's the kind of the way I would describe it is like uh, massage therapy, but within traditional Chinese medicine principles. Um, so dealing with hot and cold, deficiency and excess, and also being able to manipulate bones somewhat, not in a chiropractic sort of way, but in a more gentle uh, way usually. Um, I've also been a professional and collegiate track and field coach, uh, strength conditioning coach, personal trainer. I was a school teacher um, in public schools in Boston, uh, Massachusetts for some time. Um, I was more recently working in Miami before I moved here uh, for a group of semi-professional track and field athletes. And yeah, I think that's, and I also teach, uh, you know, some traditional Taiji, uh, the Wudong uh, Mountain style so all over the place that's why we found you so interesting we're like what the fuck like Where are we so going what's the this? what's the order in which all of this took place so like teacher first mm. after like traditional schooling yeah so i finished i was a uh, division one athlete at boston university and okay. i was okay i was smitten with sports and athletics and i couldn't imagine myself working at a desk so while you know that was a great school a lot of people were like if you're gonna make more money if you go into one of these fields if you're super qualified for it, you have a lot of connections I was like, I, I couldn't, <laughs> not even an option, like I couldn't sit still you, that often, so it's like, okay, coaching seems to fit, I love the sport, I learned a lot about it, um, I like working with young people, so I was coaching first, I ended up uh, getting injured in college, so I had an extra year to pursue a master's in education, so I got a master's in education in sports coaching and physical ed, and so those sort of experiences started to shape, um, you know, even things that I do today, because 
a lot of folks that are coaching don't really have a background in like learning theory and other things like that, which is, um, I find really beneficial. And I don't think I would have had that experience if I hadn't gotten hurt. Yeah. I think most coaches are just coaches because they were athletes. Yeah. Coaching is not being an athlete. Like the, tra- <laughs> the, the translation there is actually really critical. It's, it's very much about communication and right. And the, the way the mind works, the way we absorb information and apply it to a sport or, or movement. Totally about communication. Yeah. Um, so what, what were you doing? You were in track. Yeah. But like, what were you doing in track? I was a jumper. Okay. So high jump was my best. That yeah. makes high sense jump, because for best. everyone that is only listening and can't see, Sam is very, very tall. Yes. Yeah, so you're 6'7"? 6'7". Sam yeah. is taller than Tyler and Tyler is a tall boy. So Sam is very tall. Yeah, so we'll jumping so- makes We'll get sense. a social media post. Absolutely <laughs> in the middle. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I used to high jump in high school as well. Nice. It's not great. But so what was your highest high jump? Uh, I got towards the end and I had a weird botched uh, senior year because I got hurt a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of what led me into the acupuncture path. But anyways, that's mm-hmm. for the next thing. Um, <laughs> I hit two meters 10 in practice, which is about 6'10 and change. Wow. And, um, you know, in a meet, it was 6'9 was my yeah, best. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Get the, the, so that's the meat jitters. Like you fall. No, no, I just got uh, hurt. I broke uh, my foot. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Okay. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, I share a similar experience, and all the injuries have led me down the, the healing path. And yeah. that's kind of an interesting archetype. I wonder what archetype that is. If it's a Chinese proverb that a sickly person makes a great doctor. Wow. Really? Uh, yeah, it's I'm botching the translation. But, yeah, it's a very <laughs> that, common that's, that's thing. That's the gist of it. You start to learn how to heal yourself, and you start to be more in tune with what makes you good and what makes you not good. Yeah. Then you you know you learn so much about it. You start to already you already did half the schooling. Yeah, yeah. So through, what if, through really living yeah, it? Yeah. Really living it. So like to that phrase, like what about to dive deeper? Like what about your breaking your feet, your foot, or any other kind of like let's just say like sickly things that you may have experienced? like directly translate into how you were either a coach or how you're an acupuncturist today. Mm. Like maybe lessons learned or maybe you are like an expert at the foot. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, well, I definitely learned um, and was always fascinated by how the foot and ankle structure work. Hmm. Um, just because of how much I, ha- I was kind of like, which bone is hurting, which thing is that? Because it was a fracture. So I was trying to figure out where it's hurting and is some part of my foot putting more stress on the other part. And then I started to realize that, you know, if you don't put your foot down under your, under your body in a certain way, then certain areas are going to take more stress than other areas. So you started looking up the chain. And so that's a huge uh, lesson in and of itself is that a lot of folks, and I see this as a missing link in a lot of both performance, rehabilitation, all these sort of uh, programs that they're not working with the foot and ankle in a dynamic way. Um, they're not really... Or at all. Yeah, or at all. Um, or they're just hoping that's going to take care of itself. And so that's why you see a lot of folks come out of a traditional strength and conditioning program and they end up, you know, their feet are slapping the ground because there's no stiffness and mo- or mobility. It's kind of a you know, yin and yang of what you need down there. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not taking exa- uh, advantage of fascial systems. Mm. You're just using big muscle groups. And, um, you know, if you look at our leg, you're looking at a, a, a structure that's like, you know, the biggest muscle sitting at the top, closest to the center. And, you know, there's two reasons for that. One is that it's really hard to swing, you know, something that's weighted at the end. If you ever seen like yeah. a donut on a baseball bat, there's a reason <laughs> that's so much harder, even though it's a light weight, 
It's because it's at the end of it. Is this our physics lesson? <laughs> <laughs> I just want a donut now. No, no, honestly. I can't. I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, had to, um, I had to take a physics class, actually. To, yeah, yeah. To I remember this. Like yeah. so, oh, really? I'm thinking of, yeah, I'm thinking wow. of those terms. The rest of the country doesn't need physics in chem. That's uh, now the California does, so mm. I had to take that. Uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, so it, that for that's one reason. Then also you watch the structure change towards the end of it is that there's a lot of long tendons towards the end of this uh, lever arm. Mm -hmm. So, like, you can't, uh, there's not a bunch of big muscles, so it doesn't make sense to train those things the same way as the rest of your body, and it's, no, um, it absolutely doesn't. So it's starting to get into that realm. Um, and then also I just showed up for acupuncture yeah. <laughs> for the first time because I was hurt. Oh, yeah. oh, so is that what led you to, to experiencing acupuncture? Yeah. Oh, so it was, so what was the, the actual injury fractured? What part uh, of it? So... That one, I didn't find out until later, until I got an x-ray for something else, um, because I never really went to the doctor. I was like, oh my god, my the left, the outer side of my lower leg hurts. It was a fractured fibula. I oh. sprained my high ankle sprain so bad. Oh, at Maliolus? No, higher up, uh, just oh. like on the side of the fibula. Wow. Just like actually like took a little bit of bone off as I Oof. went down. Um, so it was... It was pretty painful. Yeah. Um, but acupuncture, oh, it was fine for, you know, some days after treatment. I was like, oh, if, really? I, ever, if wow. I ever go back to, to school and learn something, I want to learn how this works. Yeah. This is this is weird, but it's <laughs> nice. Do you remember how you originally got, like, uh, recommended to go to an acupuncturist if that was your first time? Were you And were you sort of, like, skeptical? Yeah, uh, like, why was that your first choice of, like, having serious pain? So, it... Well, there are a couple uh, <laughs> events. I guess it is kind of, you know, don't really think about it, but I guess it is kind of serendipitous. So um, for one thing, the more obvious one is that my mom had a friend who had been going with acupuncture. like, this guy um, is great, blah, 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 blah. If he's in pain, you should just go. Uh, and this person at the time was practicing community acupuncture, which is a style of acupuncture where you're um, a bunch of people are in a room as opposed to one person in each room so the cost is much less huh. so at the time I was like 20 I didn't have any money so it was $20 a session so I could afford that so that was huge huh. um, so that was a big reason why I showed up the other reason I was excited to show up was I had just watched um, and we were like half, you know half joking but also like half serious like uh, I'd seen the movie Karate Kid, the remake with Jaden Smith and Jackie Chan, one of my friends. And we went there and we geeked out. And, um, and uh, so I was like, really saw this image of this, um, of Jackie Chan in this movie is kind of this archetype that exists of like the warrior healer. Um, and obviously it's a movie. But there is in a lot of stories and legends and in reality, a lot of martial artists who also go down that healing path. So I was like, oh, what is this? And so I was really curious about that um, because in the West, we don't see that quite as often yeah. um, that those two things go hand in hand. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, you don't see a lot of, you know, like professional boxers who end up being like chiropractors that mm -hmm. I know of. You know, like there's definitely a few, but it's, yeah. um, you know, in traditional East Asian martial arts, it's very common to at least have some sort of knowledge of meridians, channels, and, you know, if you're practicing at a temple or something like that, somebody in there is doing doing medicine uh, yeah. so you might have picked up a little bit or at least seen it yeah that's a very interesting connection that i noticed in chinese medicine like why is there why is that connection to martial arts and warriorship mm -hmm. and healing like how is that there how is that connection in chinese medicine but not elsewhere i think that's a i mean i think it's probably a couple things one is that there's kind of a culture of like a chinese culture of like you're good at everything 
you're good at one thing, you're good at everything. And like, uh, you know, the downside of that is like, there's a lot of, you know, societal pressure. Sure. Um, you know that, but the upside is that people, you're not just expected to be like a martial artist. Uh, you could also be like multiple uh, avenues of like a great, you know, person in some way. This is Chinese culture? Yeah, uh, this is, I don't want to speak for Chinese culture. I'm okay. a white guy. But yeah. I will say that it's something that seems more common um, in folks that have dedicated themselves to an art or a craft. It's much more common, I think, uh-huh. than in folks that I've seen that are masters of, say, traditional martial arts in China, that they're also going to be a master of, um, like, calligraphy or master of something else huh. in addition. Huh. And I think that goes back to just kind of an underlying theory that if you are really excellent at one thing, the methods that you use to be excellent at that thing are going to apply to other things. That's mm. so cool. I mean, it makes sense, but we definitely don't operate that way in Western culture. It's like, find your one thing and be really good at it and don't look anywhere else. Have you heard of Josh Waitzkin and the art of learning? Uh, yeah, I have. So, I mean, this concept, though, is, is pretty much what he talks about in this book. Is like he's applying this mastery to like relearning different things. Is he the chess player? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bobby Fischer, but he applied that, like what he learned in chess to martial arts. Yeah. So it just reminded me of like what you were describing in the Chinese culture of applying really what is a mindset. That's what it is. It's a a mastery mindset to different things. And Hmm. and why not? Yeah, mindset and method of learning and different Mm -hmm. things. Like I've noticed from just practicing some of these things, my memory is just, I pick up on things better. My monkey see, monkey do is, I mean, night and day compared to when I was like 15. And it's not just because I grew up. It's also because I, I did these things over these years. Um, so that's a big part of why, you know, that sort of uh, culture exists. And the other more, how do I say, like, uh, obvious example, too, is that the martial arts and uh, medicine, like, you're at war, like, you know, you got to heal some people. Yeah, um, like you're on the battlefield fighting, <laughs> but it's your friend's dying beside you. Like, yeah. it might benefit me to know something. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, like, there's stories of even modern day warfare where like Chinese herbs are used to like stop bleeding in ways that you know the American soldiers didn't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's and you know keeping somebody from going to trauma and all that. And it's like so that's just a you know unfortunately like discomfort is a great pusher, a great mover, a great teacher. So like if you have to, if you have to get through pain, if you have to keep going and you don't have a choice, then you tend to use everything at your disposal. So those folks start to, it's not like, you know, everybody's a master doctor who's on a battlefield at any point in history, but there might've been a few folks out there who were like, okay, in the same way, um, you know, like an army has, uh, you know, a doctor and nurse Mm -hmm. in, you know, in or nearby the unit when they're going out they had that except on much more of like a small scale yeah. and somebody who's familiar with herbs and acupuncture and those sort of traditional methods. Yeah. So you completed the, the athlete part of your career. Mm. You had some attachment to that. Like you, you said totally. earlier that you were like, you very much idolize sports and athletics. Right. Yeah. And I identify with that as well. How yeah. did you make the transition? How was the transition out of that for you? <laughs> Well, it, it was tough because I was coaching my first uh, couple of years of grad school and nobody's, um, you know, so trying to be gone every weekend for meets and conferences and stuff like that was, uh, it, it kind of forced me to choose if I really wanted to, mm. to do acupuncture and go towards the therapy role. Um, but at the same time, the same year that I left coaching was also, you know, the same year I had another friend uh, who was, he was also a coach cause that, that's where a lot of my connections are. You know, it's my profession before that. 
who was like, hey, I'm in town. Can you treat some athletes uh, before prior to a big meet? And so I started to kind of treat, um, you know, a college track team. And so I was like, okay, I never really got away from the track meets. I still, yeah. you know, saw the same cast of characters in the Northeastern, you know, track and field coaching and mm. uh, competing scene because I, you know, I never fully got out of it in yeah. that way. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's different to be on the therapy side of things for sure. But it's, um, I never fully like left out of that. I'd say that my uh, lack of letting go of that is my my passion in fantasy football or watching football. Yeah. Like the, the passion is still there in some way. I'm yeah. living through it in just a different way. What is your background? Is it? Uh, yeah, just yeah, athletics. Yeah. I played, you know, I started totally. playing soccer when I was four until nice. I was thirteen, and then I went into I played flag football for a long time, and then high school football, a little yeah. bit of junior college football until injury took out my throwing shoulder. Sure. So, injury kind of being a big big theme throughout all of that and yeah that's why i said earlier that i've learned a lot through through all of that but um so you got out of the coaching to start treating but in that time somewhere you had gotten the certification or degree to be able to practice acupuncture or yeah so i had some body work certifications when i was coaching so i guess that also was a thing that um I had been working on was just like a various like muscle activation stuff and um, just little things that I could do for some of the athletes I was working with as a coach. Uh, track and field in particular, it's kind of like if anybody's going to get an overuse injury, it's going to be somebody whose sport is doing the same thing oh my God. over and over and over. <laughs> jumping athletes always <laughs> jumping off the same fucking foot yeah. all the time. All yeah. the time in the same way, in the yeah. same pattern, with yeah. the same number of steps. It's, like, it's a good way to get twisted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, obviously you can mitigate it with coaching, but still. You want other measures. So uh, that started to be something that uh, I was interested in and started to like reach out. So I already had a couple things. I had insurance. I I was like, okay, I can take that call. I just can't do X, Y, and Z, but I can do this, this, and this. Um, So, and again, it's a lot of it, even though there's needles involved with acupuncture, um, if you have other means available, uh, such as your hands, such as um, sometimes like herbal balms and liniments, you can start to move, even if I'm not prescribing internal herbs, like you start to move uh, chi and blood circulation through the body in certain ways based on the same principles. Mm-hmm. Uh, even without needles, it's much easier with needles. And that's, yeah. <laughs> that's why needles. it's less, less, you know, like less work. But So for the listener though, real quick. So chi is kind of a, f- a big important thing in regards to Chinese medicine. Sure. What is your perspective on chi? What is that? That's a really good question, um, and I think I can give an answer, but I think ultimately what I see getting lost, which I think, not to defer, but also just to like put out there, is that I, I'm noticing in social media and some other things that people are like, this is chi, that is chi, and it's like, <sighs> you know, when we think about um, how this, these things came about, it, it started to be like, you have your things and you're not things if you will. And so like, chi is not something that is, we can really reduction, define in like a Western reductionist term. Mm -hmm. That being said, over the course of history, it started off as like, the character chi is also the character for air. So like qigong has a lot of like, emphasis on breathing, qigong breath work. Um, Could be a translation, breath skills, something like that. Um, But it also is one of those things you have to be around a lot of folks in context for some time to have a good appreciation because chi can also be climactic factors. Chi can also be, you know, energy and resonance. At a certain point in history, um, you know, several hundred years ago, it started to be, uh, sorry, a thousand, 
started to be this thing where it's like, okay, like tea is not just uh, air, it's like also what the universe is sort of created from. Uh, what was just a way of describing our like resonance and how people attract each other and um, so it's everything that can't be explained in some ways it's like <laughs> almost the ex- like the explanation that uh, and I don't want to edit this but the explanation of like things in between I have things written down that are better than this but um, it's like it's, it's what, almost like a placeholder you're... because she is a process so like when we talk about that's one thing that really gets lost in translations. Chi is a process. So like when we talk about like organ chi, it's like the ability of the organ to do a thing, to have a function. So like that's why sometimes the Western and Eastern concepts of organs don't really line up. It's because one is just like this is a thing still in space in one moment in time. The other one is this process of like more of a fluid nature. And so that's one thing that um when we work with chi that it, it could be multiple things at different times, but it's always referring to something that's dynamic. It's always referring to something that's a process. In Chinese medicine, it's something that's warm, that like protects you, that um, nourishes you, that if in the absence of chi, there's no life. So it's the thing that animates you. Mm. Wow. One last piece that I think maybe ties it together. Maybe it's just me rambling, but anyway. It's no, okay. no, it's all good. Um, <laughs> they say uh, blood houses chi and chi is the mother of blood. So, like, when we talk about the relationship between blood circulation and chi, we think about the chi runs, like, it needs to be housed in the body somewhere, and we can say that that's, like, circulation, for example. So when we move chi in the body, often a way that we do that is through circulation, through blood flow, and that's when we do research, that's one of the things, first things they find is that acupuncture is changing blood flow. You put a needle in an area, changes the blood flow and the fascia and some things like that around the area. Mm-hmm. And then so it's it's housed in there, but also like, why does the blood flow? And it's like, wh- when you go back to it, it's like, yeah, the heart beats. Why does the heart beat? And it has an electromagnetic, like, why is that there? And it's like, okay, there's some sort of overriding chi mechanism that's that's kind of animating all of these things. Mm. Um, and it's a constantly resonating with things, you know, celestial bodies and climactic factors and all these other things and people around you, things around you, what you eat, how you breathe, what you breathe, if you live in a good environment, bad environment, all these sort of things, even the feng shui of a room. It's kind of overwhelming. Like, chi is sort of everything. I, I think, like, your explanation, like, your best effort to make, like, this, ex- to, to define this word mm-hmm. is beautiful because there is obviously so many facets of it. Mm-hmm. And it, I guess it's kind of overwhelming because once you start to really understand what chi is and maybe how it affects you or how you can work with it and understand it better, it's almost like everything is affecting your chi and, yeah. uh, I like it's just a lot to to consider yeah. if you're trying to make changes. Totally, some things um, definitely have more of an effect than others. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So we think about um, like pre like one of the um, translations like pre heaven and post heaven chi. So like pre heaven is if you think about like a, a child growing up, like pre heaven is kind of like nature, like what you got from your parents, like what your life source kind of is, and that. Um, you know, there's certain things about that that you can you can work with through various practices and, you know, esoteric and more almost, you know, religious or spiritual methods. But for the most part, you know, we mostly affect post-heaven, uh, which is more from like the air you breathe and the food you eat. And so that's a way that um, we can kind of access that. Would that be like nature versus nurture? Yeah, totally, totally, totally. So what is the percentage breakdown of 
pre-heaven, post-heaven chi, like in Chinese medicine? Like, what's the percent effect? Uh, I mean, we're really. That's a that's an interesting question. I think one way I'll kind of sidestep it is like we're really looking at um, how do we affect through post heaven. So we do herbs, we do acupuncture, we do these things um, because obviously somebody kind of has their their constitution to some mm-hmm. extent. Over time, that can be strengthened and can be they kind of affect each other. Like if you have a good constitution, you know, like you grew up, uh, like got what you needed in the womb, that sort of thing. Like you had a good emotional environment and all that. It's like, yeah, like that'll affect your life choices later on. If you have that sort of um, like, you know, health and vitality, like you're going to be able to get out of bed, you know, wake up and say like, I'm going to eat something healthy. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, just, it's just a, you know, like, you're, bor- you're born with the tools in the toolbox. Like if, yeah. Yeah. That's versus like, if you don't have that, then it's harder to make, you know, just have the willpower in general and yeah. then vice versa. It's like, yeah, you, um, the decisions you make also nourish that. So you can totally waste that and you can totally build it up. Sure. You know, like we said, the sickly person makes a good doctor. Like, there are many examples and we can all think of in our lives who somebody who didn't really have all the uh you know all the tools in their bag growing up who did something good for themselves mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. definitely yeah so eastern medicine like studying eastern medicine I, I feel like it's like a whole other can of worms and when you started to get like you started with body work and you kind of like organically made that transition but as you got closer and more dedicated to like specifically learning acupuncture and just a side note, like what's so exciting and intriguing to me is how you can go, how there's like thousands of years to study. And I think Mm -hmm. that's so cool. But as you started to study it, was there anything that you felt skeptical of or that took you a long time to really kind of either accept or grasp? Oh, totally. Um, I think I didn't really have as much of a you know, some folks had trouble just like learning the organ systems or learning uh, this and that because they came from like, you know, a nursing background. They were like, oh, oh, this organ does this. I don't know what they're talking about. It's easier if you just learn them on their, on your own, on their own, excuse me, and kind of put them back together at the end than trying to interpret one through the other. Mm-hmm. Because they're really a different, they come from different cultures, they come from different backgrounds. The language that they uh, were produced in is different. So of course they're going to sound different. And um, Chinese medicine is also, I think probably the biggest thing that myself and a lot of people uh, wrestle with is how many times you realize that like and this is true of life too that a system can contradict another system but they can both work mm. in reality in the clinical setting when you actually deal with a patient it's like how does <laughs> like, can you give an example um just like different styles of acupuncture for example and we can combine them into a treatment and stuff like that but if you're treating somebody you could treat a pain site you know say i'm i'm dealing with pain on my left wrist I could treat that with needles in the left wrist. I could also treat that with needles in the right ankle. Mm. I could also treat that with things in the you know right shoulder. I could treat that upstream and trying to find it in more of um you know like a musk like something that maybe is more familiar to um, somebody who's gone through therapy programs and you know in the West is like I could treat that upstream. You know I could treat that downstream. I can, I can do all these different things, and they all seem to work. You know <laughs> like they all can actually work. Even if they don't treat each other, I can treat different meridians um, that, you know, like say that this pain has too much chi in this area and it's blocked. Yeah. It's too full. So it's like the, you know, the river is so full that it can't get beyond a certain point. It's like 
we just got to put some of that, we got to divert the river upstream somewhere. Huh. And what's so, your, what's yeah. your typical method with that? Is it more direct or do you find more of the meridian or upstream, downstream or constant? I'll usually, like for you personally. I'll usually use a meridian based treatment okay. uh, first and then I'll go to the local site and kind of flush what else is out. Yeah. Um, I find that that seems to be like, A, it's a way to check in, did what I do worked because is the pain still there yeah is it actually still there or yeah. did i not and also it's because the tissue quality will actually change For and sure. so it's a lot easier if i do hands-on work or something locally and you know where there's like pain there's the patient might feel some pain or discomfort when I work on it. So it's easier for them and easier for me. Just out of curiosity, like what is one of the weirdest, most unexpected um, correlations between two ports in the body? So someone comes to you and says like, oh, I got this pain in my neck. And then you like put a bunch of needles in their ear or something, or like you put a bunch of needles in their left pinky. Like what's the weirdest, <laughs> what's the, can you think of one that's sort choose, of like weird... I mean, we could just choose one. You okay. can use the ear as a weird? microcosm of the whole really? body. But you, so you, you can... do that, right? Like yeah. you actually use that for treatment. Yeah, we'll yeah. use that and we can overlay that and do that with, um, it's like with the treatment for anybody. Too, kind of like, that. Yeah, that, that. So if I said neck pain and you were going to put something in, in my ear, what part of the ear would you? So we'd find kind of a mirror. So it's kind of like a reverse fetus, if you oh, will. So okay. we have like feet and ankles oh, up here and maybe, you know, like a map on your media or something like that could be cool. But we have feet and ankles up here and down here we have like face and kind of sense organs. Hello. And in here we have like in, internal organs. Oh. So wow. if we're talking about the neck, it's like we're falling down the spinal curve right here uh-huh. and we're landing at, and usually we'll find a tender spot. Sometimes you'll see it. And that's one thing that um, as you practice more and more, you start to realize like, oh, when they talked about color changes on the skin, you don't really see it at first as a first year student. You need some years to kind of like look for it, hunt for it, and then be like, oh, actually, that does look like a completely different color mm-hmm. on this section of the skin. And it's, you know, the person that you're talking to might think you're crazy, but that's not important. <laughs> and it's not any sort of magic or, um, you know, anything like esoteric, even that is, it's just, you see more when you look for more. Mm, yeah. Um, same way an artist can distinguish between like very close colors if that's their medium. Yeah. Right. You become more observant. Yeah. And so the foot's the same too, right? Like there's like you can you look at the foot as like the body. So it's, there are definitely um, systems that do that. I don't use those. They're a little You're less popular. You're more of an ear guy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's based on TCM in America. Okay. We're kind of um, getting certain systems more than others. So folks will will. Pretty much every program will know the ear. Mm. Um, the foot also contains, you know, we have our 12 main meridians, eight extra meridians, and some little connecting vessels in between there, as well as divergent channels and, and sinew channels, some other layers of the body. But really, you know, 12 main, eight extra um, are typical numbers that we'll use. And so they're, um, you know, six meridians that run into the foot. So it's like, okay, like there, we can really access those points easily. Um, using the meridian system, figuring out which part of the body chi uh, actually is accessible in this case. Like, do we need to cool something off? Is there some sort of heat in the body? Do we need to add heat? Do we need to increase kind of flow? Um, you know, that, those sort of uh, things, if you will. So how much intuition and mindfulness goes into your practice as being that person for your clients? Like, because you obviously know a lot, but how do you apply like a, a deeper listening to your practice? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple um, different ways that you could do that. Um, I apprenticed with uh, a very experienced Japanese acupuncturist for several years during school, 
And um, he would take his intuition to a place where, you know, he learned from a blind World War II veteran um, in Japan. And he would take his intuition to a place where, you know, first of all, he would see, you know, kind of like light and dark. So watching auras. This is a little mm. more esoteric. This is not like we're what down. you learn in school, but we're I think it's interesting it. enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he would see that. He would also notice um, uh, this is a particular meridian therapy style that's based on pulse. So the radial pulse, so put your hand on that, and you'll see like which point changes the quality in a positive direction. And so you know, even before the patient um, experiences uh, a change, you'll feel it through the pulse, or usually simultaneous, but if one comes first, it's, it's the pulse, um, because the meridian system is you know, actively buffering a lot of things all the time, as opposed to um, you know, like coming, coming to our consciousness, we have to register that first. But if you're, if you're registering for the patient, you can pick up at that same time or quicker. And so during treatment, we take advantage of that. He would even take his own pulse while he was feeling for a point, and he'd say, like, oh, you have pain there. Well, and so because his own pulse would change, it would turn into the pulse of somebody who's kind of like, uh, you know, maybe in pain. And we see that and we feel that when we go into a room and somebody's like agitated and immediately we get a little agitated. Ooh. You don't have to be an empath for that. You know what I mean? Like people feel it more no, than others. No, everybody's an empath. Now. Everybody. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> nature. Yeah. Otherwise you're, you're out. But, <laughs> but like everybody feels that and starts to act a certain way. Yeah. And people aren't always like consciously aware of like why their mood is changing and why their energy is shifting. Yeah. Like, Oh, that's such a... This reminds me of muscle testing, though. Are you familiar with muscle testing? Yeah, yeah. people in the acupuncture world will use it, too. Okay, yeah, oh, cool. I mean, it, it's, totally. it's generally, like, if you're a part of the universe, the universe is always going to give you true and yes or false or yeah. sickness or health, right? Yeah. Like, so whether you're reading it in the pulse, you're reading it through muscle testing, it's all kind of similar, right? Totally. Yeah. I feel like taking a critical step back, it's in, it's in the same category but like okay i personally have never had acupuncture okay i i have a kind of an idea loser. <laughs> yeah super loser um but for people listening who have never experienced it or maybe they have and they're still kind of like trying to wrap their head around really like the basic fundamental of like how acupuncture can help like the way i would explain it in my naivete would just be that it helps relieve pain but i imagine it's so much more than that so I would, I would love for you to explain just like fundamentally kind of what acupuncture is or how it helps people or like what kind of person would come in mm -hmm. to get that kind of treatment. Yeah, so I think um, it's important to note and even give some broader background is that acupuncture developed um, within context of a, of a healing system kind of combining several modalities mm. in ancient China. So in the classics, they say people, you know, on... In the north, uh, need more moxibustion, which is kind of like burning an herb over an area, which adds heat. You think of a time before, you know, central heating and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, in the cold areas, like, yeah, they need that. Um, people, you know, in the, in the center of the country, they're like, they're kind of lazy. They need to exercise. <laughs> uh, they have all these different methods for that. And, you know, people in other areas um, need, need acupuncture. People in the south, you know, they need uh, a certain level of you know, letting out blood from the channels because that's what's going to heal them. So we have all these several different modalities. Typical acupuncture, you're going to have somebody who does, in California, for example, you have to be licensed in herbal medicine to practice acupuncture. Mm. So somebody might just do acupuncture. They might even just do herbal medicine. Um, but acupuncture itself can influence because it can regulate the channels in the body. So it can influence 
people are like, what is it good for? It's like, it can kind of help everything. Mm. Um, if you have symptoms of this, this, and this, um, I don't really see what it doesn't do, but we specialize. Pain is the number one reason why people go to acupuncture. Mm-hmm. Um, women's health and GI issues are mm-hmm. really uh, issues where acupuncture shines because the aforementioned acupuncture and Chinese medicine is looking at things as a process. So it's much easier for acupuncture to address something that goes in a cycle, um, say women's health, for example, than Western medicine where it's like you need these numbers now. It's like, well, they have to find fixed numbers for each point in the cycle as opposed to catching that somewhere in this, in this feedback loop. Huh. Um, so that's, those are areas where acupuncture typically shines. Everything's contextual, right? Yeah, and there's a lot of, um, you know, some, you know, there are some folks who, you know, have success with herbal medicine and some other things in treating, you know, big, uh, big scary diseases like cancer, heart disease. And that's totally true, and, but more often acupuncturists will serve as, uh, like, follow-up care to deal with symptoms from somebody getting chemotherapy or something like that um, because you'll have typical symptoms like, you know, it, it really zaps the heck out of you. So you'll have low energy, you'll have uh, like dry mouth and, you know, very flu- various fluid imbalances and other things like that that acupuncture can kind of rearrange and rebalance. So what's a, what's, what's a really kind of common um, shift when someone comes out of an acupuncture treatment? Like... Uh, energy lift or mm. what, what's like a common like something that people will more most easily feel and experience I think the most common thing and this partially just speaks to where people are at coming in mm. is a profound like relaxation mm. um, because there might have been just kind of a block you know acupuncture in the classics they say like to insert needles in the right places like uh, wiping away filth or pulling out a thorn so like you get that thorn pulled out, you're, you know, that sounds so can, nice. Can I got restore. lots of thorns. Oh man, I got so many thorns. <laughs> Don't, I think we all do. Uh, <laughs> the world we live in these days. But anyway, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> so it's like if you you kind of give somebody a treatment, they're often going to feel more relaxed. They're often going to feel that we can do things to kind of raise somebody's energy, but we have different. You know, you have to have like kind of different uh, methods if you want to. Treat somebody, for example, if I'm treating an athlete right before they're going out there, I'm not going to give them that sort of treatment that's going to help leave them kind of like, you know, a little accustoned. And, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> accustoned, accustoned, I like that term. Definitely a term. That's, going, that's going on the title. Yeah. <laughs> accustoned. Get accustoned. Weiss. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, oh shit, I just had it. Um, if you forgot it, I have a weird question. Go ahead. Okay, my weird question is... and. Maybe there's like legality to it, but maybe it, at the very least you learn about it in your studies. Is there any acup- acupuncture treatment like with needles that would go into the genital area? So there are acupuncture points. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, you know, like uh, the most, uh, we say yin, like yin and yang, like yang is one definition of yang or one polarity is high and yin is low. Mm-hmm. So Hui Yin is an acupuncture point that is like basically the perineum. Um, I don't know anybody who uses that in practice. I've talked to people who know people who have used it for various things. Um, It's also something that they say in the classics is really good for rescuing somebody for drowning. Oh. Um, <laughs> I don't know anybody who's willing to, you know, walk up to someone who's, you know, gulped down a bunch of water and, like, stick their thumb in their <laughs> uh, You know what I mean? It hasn't but, happened yet, but never say never. Uh, yeah, exactly. Someone's they, done it. <laughs> someone. <laughs> someone in history must have because it's, it's written about. Um, uh-huh. But, yeah, there are areas around there, um, two particular points, uh, 
for the Chiang Mai uh, stomach 30, they're uh, basically the level of the pubic bone on either side, um, maybe like, a, we say Tu Tsun, uh, which is like a body inch, mm. if you will. And so Tu Tsun uh, to the side of like the bottommost part of, uh, like right above your pubic bone. Okay. So you can place where you can actually insert a needle. Okay. And those are really powerful points. Yeah. Um, so sometimes I will use those yeah. uh, if it's necessary because you can't get to that area. Anywhere you know. else. Yeah. yeah it's the only it's way. just a really powerful Can you heal point. sexual trauma with acupuncture or can you work on sexual trauma or, or like holdings? Yeah, um, yeah, you totally can. I think as a therapist, it's really important to kind of uh, reframe it for ourselves and say, you know, like we're assisting someone and working with their uh, trauma because, mm-hmm. you know, if we start to think that we're going to solve everyone's issues, then people start to run into burnout for one thing. And from the patient, it's also disempowering to the patient, mm-hmm. um, you know, even the process of coming in and, you know, trying something, some sort of therapy in order to remove trauma is, I think, empowering and a it's a big they do yeah, research on. No, no uh, therapist or practitioner of any kind is re- like taking away anybody's trauma. Or, yeah. or like responsible for the fix. It's really like creating that space for that person to do that for themselves. So I really like how you reframe that. The acupuncture, you know, in an acupuncture treatment, we're kind of suggesting, if you will, to the body, um, like where chi should go, how to rebalance itself. We're not really in there. We can't like force it to go somewhere. It's the body that has to respond. Acupuncture is just kind of like activating your internal process but if i go in there and i say i'm gonna you know i'm gonna do this even in like the more esoteric like you know sending chi somewhere in a in from the guy i was apprenticing with he would be very much like you know when i first started working with him he's like no your intention is too strong like you you Mm. really just have to like hang out here and let the body come to you as opposed to like different perspectives on it from different people but as opposed to going after it if you will Mm -hmm. um and that's been instrumental in thing in terms of like how to sense and how to deal with things and just how personally I look at that process and things outside of the clinic as well. Mm. Do you remember your question? No, but I have another question. (laughs) So you were talking about the different systems of healing as acupuncture being a part of like the broader scope of Chinese, ancient Chinese healing in general. A big thing that it seems like you're passionate about is Qigong. Yeah. Qigong. Yeah. Qigong. Um, So would you explain like, how that assists all this, like what that is, why it's important to you? So there's multiple levels, I think, on how Qigong can assist. Um, for one, maybe the most uh, simple, it's like physical movement and exercise, which we all need, and often we don't get enough in our daily society, um, unless it's your job, you know, or you're working physical labor, and in that case, it might be repetitive motions and too much of the same thing. So Qigong is really good at working with the body in, um, in ways that open it up. Uh, and then we start to think about working with energy and breath. You know, how many times do you breathe during the day? 2,000. Million. Something like that. <laughs> um, I wish I had a better answer at the top. <laughs> a lot? I don't know. But I think we know it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so if you influence one, even though it's a small shift... You'll start to, if you do that every time you breathe, you'll influence all of those processes and you'll start to change the way your body functions to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to that, uh, you're also working with the chi is kind of like this yuan chi, like this original source chi, this energy. And so when you're practicing um, the styles that I practice, at least I don't uh, practice anything where we're trying to actively like shoot chi around or do anything like that. It's, it's really like you assume a posture that is kind of like, um, one of my teachers um, will describe this as like hooking yourself 
up to a battery pack. I'll give a shout out to Lindsey Wade because I really like that. And the analogy is like, you're kind of like putting yourself in a, within a posture into a place where you're kind of connecting to the environment around you in a way that like opens up blockages and allows chi huh. to kind of like come and settle. And part of that mindset is to uh, relax in a profound way. Not a, not a sleep relax, not just like a floppy bent over relax, but like it's this balance of tension and relaxation where um, you could actually like heal yourself uh, or, you know, allow the Tao or Chi or, you know, whatever your belief system is to come in and heal because you're creating a structure that just allows the natural processes of healing to take place, mm-hmm. which your body is already good at. Look mm-hmm. at, you know, look at a child falling off a playground. Like, they can scorpion and do all this stuff, and they're <laughs> fine. Why are we not? Mm. Becoming a Why, Sam? Why? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, God, there's so many different directions I, I like going with this. Um, but what I'm noticing with Chinese medicine is, like, there's a lot of metaphor in general. Like, the postures in Qigong, right? They're metaphorical, yeah. right? They represent something. Mm. Is this true? Like you're holding a posture that mimics something in nature or represents mm. something. Is am I? There are uh, Qigong sets that will you know do that. I think it's uh, represents something in nature. They're totally uh, like animal sets or something like that. But they yeah. more represent um, often the animals are stand-ins for uh, you know when we talk about five element theory, which mm-hmm. is more correctly termed is whooshing, correctly termed five phase theory. So yeah. like the different phases, the different seasons, and all these seasons exist in a day, and all, you know, in a microcosm, okay. macrocosmic way. So maybe the seasons are more of like the metaphor I'm thinking of. Sure. Right. Like, so this is the case in what the organs represent too, right? Totally. Like the different elements there. Totally. So why is metaphor in like the representations of elements or seasons important in Chinese medicine? I mean, so that goes back to, like, the ancient Taoist view of microcosm and macrocosm. And it's almost like this um, atomic view. Uh, so it's not that different, but, you know, I'll get into it from that, the Chinese perspective. It's kind of, we are a representation of the universe. Our body is a representation of the universe. So, like, when we describe acupuncture points, we describe up here as the sea. We describe, uh, you know, this part as the stream. We describe... a. a a spring and we describe a well so it's like it's it's because our body is the microcosm so we can observe nature and we can learn about ourselves we can learn about ourselves and we can observe nature and it's just kind of this idea of like we're trying to find truth somewhere um and like where do we look do we come up with it for ourselves and the ancients the view and i think this is true across most ancient cultures is we're not looking for it and making it up it's like we're, we're looking around ourselves to try to humbly learn it and understand it. Um, and nature is a really good way to learn that. Hmm. The animals that we have around us, the plants, um, this, the changing of the seasons, these sort of things are great teachers for us in terms of how we live our lives. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, to, I mean, this is getting on you know, the more spiritual and, and universal perspective, which we love and appreciate as well. And that's kind of what Taoism is, right? Like, that's more of, like, the theology behind ancient Chinese medicine, right? Yeah, yeah, that's totally... Um, you wouldn't say that, like, it's a little bit of... Inc- uh, it's a misunderstanding when people say, like, Chinese medicine is Taoist medicine. Because, yeah. you know, it's, it's infused with so many other different things mm-hmm. um, at this point, especially in this day and age. But even throughout history, 
Um, it wasn't just like, you know, spiritual people were doctors. That's, you know, I think a little bit of a fan, uh, like a little bit of a fantasy. <laughs> um, but totally at the same time, Taoism had a huge influence on um, Chinese medicine because you had folks who were, you know, Taoist sages and people in religious Taoism who would, you know, like one person, uh, Shen Nong, he went around and he would like just try all these herbs and notice their effects. And, you know, he had his, this great book of literature on what the herbs do in the body um, is attributed to him. And it's because he went and tried these things. And he was like, okay, which one raises the chi? Which one lowers it? Which one makes, you know, warms the body? Which one cools it? Which, you know, like all these different attributes. Mm-hmm. Um, so totally having people out in nature, learning herbal medicine, you know, and in my experience is meditation. Uh, like I practice a Taoist uh, alchemical sort of meditation, Nadan. It, you'll feel certain points like open up and close up and different things happening. So like, my experience with acupuncture is, is changed based on feeling those things in my body. Mm. You know, I was practicing a, a practice called Zhang like a standing meditation, an hour a day, one posture uh, for, you know, try to make it seven weeks. It was like 45 just based on my schedule. It's like, okay, like from just having that much time in stillness in one posture, I started to feel like, okay, like I understand when, when they say like, uh, you know, we can needle this uh, shoulder to affect the opposite hip because if I can't get tension out of this one area, it just builds and builds and builds. It's like, okay, what if I put my attention there? Oh, it immediately relaxes and goes oh. away. So it's very experiential hmm. in that way. You seem like you're a learner. Like you really enjoy learning. Would you say that that you... you totally. Yeah? yeah. What are you learning right now? <clears throat> what am I learning right now? Um, How to spill coffee. <laughs> <laughs> How to clean uh, Well, we're learning uh, <laughs> if this is going to make a stain. <laughs> That's what we will know by the end of the podcast. Um, what am I working on right now? Learning. One of the biggest things has been opening up this mm. clinic. That mm. has taken up a ton of time. Yeah. And I think... Um, it's been this process of just like learning how to like a certain level of acceptance learning um yeah learning like kind of place and time and context of like okay like if I want to create a a, what I want to have like how do you create that structure Hmm. how do you call in the people that you want to call in uh, when you think about like you know co-running a business and helping um you know Kieran handles a lot of the organization piece I'm not gonna say I'm even an equal partner in that, but um, it's totally like this situation where it's like, oh, like having the grace to be like, okay, if I want to build this in this stage of life, when I have the energy, when I have the time, when I'm still young and all that, like I couldn't be doing the amount of like lifting and carrying things around that I've been doing for this, um, you know, like in, in however many years time. Like, so it's this process of like accepting this phase of life and trying to, trying to give some of these things back. Mm. So like you have that. a unique like last year as well. Like you were you were <laughs> yeah. traveling. So do you want to tell us like how you actually landed here now? Like because I mean relationship partnership, yeah. Santa Barbara <laughs> yeah. clinic, like yeah. all of it. All of it. Like I want it. Like in in all like the past year and you landing here. Also like you opening up this clinic with your business partner, but also with your romantic partner yeah. and how that. <laughs> and then we'll ask Kieran. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll pace that we'll at the end of the podcast. We'll get a little outro. She's like, actually. She'll, she'll give her a review. <laughs> I'll give myself five stars. No. No, actually, um, that part, I'll start with that. Okay. that um, in some ways, we were talking about it the other night. It's been, it's almost like helpful in some ways when you uh, are kind of like pouring a lot of your time and energy into something to be going through it with a partner. Because I couldn't imagine if one of us 
you know what I mean, was going through it because, you know, you're just kind of like both, if you're both, with, you know, uh, you have at least like some humor and some, um, you know, light moments and stuff like that. Yeah. So and it, you kind of are really in an understanding state mm. as far as that. But to go back to the last year, um, last winter, I had a former college athlete of mine, a very talented athlete and also somebody I, um, you know, like really respect in terms of how he's grown uh, both in and since, you know, coaching him. Uh, Stefan Dubivier, he's uh, down in South Florida. He also runs uh, Mind Your Movement, which is an exercise program um, and, you know, kind of mindfulness-based, and uh, I'm not going to fully plug it right now, but uh, if you've been <laughs> we'll doing stuff, yeah, yeah, totally. And so he was like, hey, do you want to, you know, like send me some workouts? I'm really going to try to do the uh, Olympic thing this year um, because, you know, Tokyo got postponed, yada, 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 and I was like, do I really want to just like send someone workouts? And I was like, I wanted to move out. I was in Boston at the time. I was like, I didn't really want to stay. It's too cold. And I just wanted to change. So I was like, you know what? I'll pack my car. We're going to like go down there. We're going to start a training group. And um, cool. so I was coaching him and a couple other athletes down in South Florida uh, for some time. And so up until we started traveling for some meets. So we started traveling and, um, you know, the USA track and field started hosting some meets because usually the you know, professional folks, they will go to the college meets. Mm. So we went to some, but they were more restrictive because of COVID this past year. So it's like, okay, we got to go to the USA track and field stuff. They have one in Tucson and then one in um, San Diego, uh, Chula Vista, right below San Diego. So we were living out there for a while. Um, I ended up, I was pretty close with Kieran um, throughout the course of the pandemic once everything kind of... Because you met her while you were in the acupuncturist yeah. program. Yeah. Okay. No, actually, um, we didn't go to school together or anything. I met her at a seminar oh, okay. in Santa Fe. Okay. Um, so I think that was like the winter before, not I think, it was the winter before everything popped off with COVID and everything. Okay. Yeah, so, 2019. Um, so it was one of those things where it's like, okay, we got close because all of a sudden you can't hang out with the people next, you know, next door. It's like, who do you actually contact and... You know, for us, that ended up being each other often. And so when I, you know, kind of came out, started to hang out with her more, um, you know, I was already uprooted. We kind of had a feeling that the, you know, South Florida group wasn't going to be quite the same or, you know, some folks had been talking about moving and whatnot. So um, I actually was staying in Southern California. It ended up being much longer of a stay because of certain other factors. Um, my athlete, you know, could go to Canada. I was going to have to, um, you know, potentially get turned away at the border. Um, because of, they were being very strict about COVID regulations. So I ended up just staying in South, uh, Southern California for some time. And so, you know, kind of fell in love with the place, with the person, and then um, stayed. And so that's kind of, we weren't, you know, like, we're going to start a business like the first moment we met. But like, um, I think it's probably if you work in the same field or a similar field as your partner, I think depending on your personality type, you might be thinking, that might be in the back of your mind. And I think sure. for both of us, it was probably from a very early on, yeah. even before we talked about it. Have you guys actually been working together? Like you had that previous location, you kind of shared the business, Blue North Acupuncture, right? No, this is really, this is our collaboration right oh, now. Okay. So yeah, it's yeah. just beginning. Yeah, this is, um, it, it doesn't feel like it because <laughs> the past month has been such a whirlwind of getting everything set up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in, in many ways, this is the beginning of like us actually working and, you know, in the same location and all that. Mm -hmm. totally. So what has balancing relationship and business been like just in this last month? In the know, last, it's obviously the beginning. But. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we when we decided what our timeline kind of was, we were like, okay, we were going away back to, you know, visit some of my folks on the East coast and, um, you know, I had a wedding to go to. So 
we were like, okay, that's the last week of October. We're going to try to get everything done before that. So it was really like our work life balance was like work and then get away and really like recuperate in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it was really helpful to have a thing to go do. Like getting out into nature is huge. Um, just sort of like having that balance of being like, okay, you know, like accepting that a lot of talk is going to end up being around work, but also finding ways to like actively get out of that headspace as opposed to like trying to mentally get out of it being yeah. like, okay, let's go do something or let's go, um, find an activity or in our cases the, you know, we were luck fortunate enough to be able to travel. And yeah. that was like a huge reset for both of us. Mm. Um, for me, I, you know, I feel very much invigorated from just like getting away and getting my mind off things and now I'm like oh yeah like I love you know I love work yeah <laughs> do you guys feel like you like work well together though I mean it's all sounding so positive like you know what's yeah. what's some of the struggles you know well, <laughs> give struggles. us the good stuff <laughs> we're still in the honeymoon phase though yeah yeah, yeah it's, maybe it's, that's it's pretty early. helping yeah yeah this definitely doesn't hurt um, <laughs> but like what uh what are some of the struggles I mean some of the struggles I think are just being like generally fatigued yeah. Like, and just being like, oh, like, this has been a lot of work, um, probably more than either of us anticipated. Um, so it's kind of like just grappling with that. But I think um, knowing that we have each other's support is really helpful in that. And so, like, even when things are, like, tough, it's not like we don't, you know, it's not like I don't get short. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to paint a picture where it's like, Sam, you're things. perfect. What are you doing? Five stars, five stars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it's like this situation where... Uh, you know, you kind of know you have someone's support and you have someone's back. And so, like, even when I'm not feeling, like, great, it's like, okay, like, it's really easy to, it's much easier, I should say, to, like, go that extra, you know, mile or whatever. Uh, and just, like, kind of keep pushing when it's like, you know what you're building towards and you have it right in front of you. Mm. Um, and in some ways, even just, like, having it be, uh, you know, with your partner, it's like, okay, like, it kind of just couples into this, like I'm supporting my own business and I'm supporting someone I love and care about Yeah. Um, at the same time. So it's like, and I, that's something for me when you say like, what have you been learning? It's, mm. this has been like a full hands-on life experience. I, I could give you last month's, which is more, I think what, um, what a standard answer would be as far as like different, you know, exercises and different like spiritual practices and things like that. And this month has been really this hands-on, like, how do you put it into your practice each day of like just re reframing, resetting and just having that mind of like, okay, like we're going forward with this and like the, this is why I'm doing this, keeping that at the forefront so that nothing else gets in and starts to get like, I'm tired. I want to, you know, like I want to do this. <laughs> I would just want to surf for like three days in a row. You know? do, you, do you surf? Yeah. He's, so he's so much cooler than we thought. Yeah, I know. So how do you do that? Like, how do you like stay in that that positive space that you're just kind of explaining? Uh, for me, Practices. I find like you know I have a little incense ceremony that I practice in the morning. That um you know I sort of like start to think about gratitude towards like what's happening, gratitude towards you know waking up each day, just like my physical ancestors, meaning my family and you know whoever else is there the ancestors of this, you know, area because we're trying to serve the Santa Barbara community. Mm. Um, and then also like spiritual ancestors that have taught me things or like just anybody who's kind of touched my, you know, the, the dude on the side of the road who taught me how to change a tire for the first time. Or, like, oh, you know what I mean? Like yeah. those sort of things have been, you know, like instrumental and then like, okay, like, you know, the giving like a shift towards an intention of like, what do I do in this moment? And what do I looking for in the future? Mm. Um, and like, how am I 
you know, like, I think the more gratitude you have for what you've been given, the more motivation you are to, like, give it back. Yeah. And so, like, I think, um, you know, I'm inspired by people in the spiritual traditions that I practice in Taoism. Like, they had a cultural revolution. People don't really understand sometimes, like, within these traditional arts because um, they talk about, you know, like, it's so fluffy. You know, it's so nice. It's so lovely. Um, <laughs> is that, like, people, like, lost their lives for practicing this stuff. People were killed. Like, people had to practice in secret. Like, oh. that wasn't, like, that wasn't, like, ancient history. That was, like, the middle of the, you know, 1900s. Wow. Um, it's I like, you, you had to go underground with some of this stuff. So some folks really, like, li- risk life and limb to keep these things alive and to pass them down. So if you start to think about it that way, you're like, oh, damn, like, I really gotta, <laughs> I gotta wake up a little earlier and practice some of this stuff. Like, <laughs> they gave it to me, and I'm athletic, and, you know, yeah. some teachers thought I was worth enough to, like, teach a couple things to, so, like, yeah. I gotta, you know, I gotta... Um, yeah, there's a responsibility there. A little bit of some, yeah. even, not even, like, a pressure right now, because some folks, you know, wait until the end of their life to teach, or retirement, whatever, but, like, just that keeping in mind of, like, okay, this has benefited me, you know, how do I give it back at some point? Acupuncture has benefited me, how do I give it back? Um, and just like, that's kind of embracing, we're embracing that sort of stage of life of like, okay, this has given me something. How do we give it back to this community? I love that perspective. And I, I feel like when I listen to you, like talk about all of this, that it, for me, it looks, it seems like, and just not even barely knowing you, but that you're coming more into alignment with probably what brings you a lot of joy. Like now that you have this space where you can do the, the giving back and, mm. Um, do you, do you feel that way? Do you feel like you're really getting closer to like a, a, a purpose that makes you feel, um, an alignment that makes you feel like you have purpose? Yeah. I think, um, anytime I'm like teaching or coaching, um, and especially like some years after I've started to realizing like, oh, you did have an impact on, you know, on somebody, like when people reach out or something like that and you're like, Hey, I, you know, or you even just see something you're like, oh yeah, like, um, you know, maybe not even like that's my influence, but like, oh yeah, like we used to talk about those things. I'm glad, you know, maybe I supported it and gave like, you know, a couple percent motivation to whoever, you know, somebody's passion mm-hmm. or like gave them the time of day. Um, so like anytime you kind of see that and yeah, I'd say totally getting into alignment. Yeah. Um, and just for me, it's just like, oh, it's a new community. So it's like, that's kind of how I find meaning and purpose. Do you see yourself in this community long term? Like, where, where do you, when you look at the future, what do you see? Oh, that's a good question. Mm. Um, you know, I just got here, so mm-hmm. I'm still learning about, um, you know, where you fit in and all that. But I see a lot of potential here. Um, as far as, like, a healing community, Santa Barbara has, like, amazing feng shui. It's, like, one of the few places in, you know, the country, maybe in the world, that, like, the ocean sits on the south. Um, so, like, you know, different systems of, you know, feng shui and geomancy, like, say mm. uh, different things about all that. But, like... Yeah, it's, it's beautiful here. You could just, like, go around the area, and you're like, yeah, there's a specific energy here. Mm-hmm. We're kind of in this weird valley because we have the mountains right on the land, and then the other mountains are on the other side of, a, you know, part of the ocean, mm-hmm. you know, the Channel Islands. Yeah. So we're actually in this nice sheltered valley, and it feels very, you feel very held here sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a really cool uh, energy here. So it, it at least serves a purpose for some time. We'll see uh, about the future. Mm-hmm. I love that. And that's reminding me of the earlier part of the conversation of like how you can look inward and also look at nature and kind of the connection of the two, like how you are like observing the environment of this location and 
how that makes you feel like mm. there's literally this valley and how that how that kind of cup makes yeah. you yeah it just takes held. stepping back and actually opening your eyes and, and relaxing into like the the grander vision of it mm-hmm. yeah. and the feeling of it mm-hmm. yeah and part of why we ended up with this space too is because um we got a really good deal on rent because it's going to be demolished in two and a half years i don't think i mentioned oh, wow. that earlier oh, it's what? Like, so like we've been calling this a little bit of a mandala oh. at blue north because it we're putting obviously work into it um and in some ways it's easier because we don't you know like i don't care if we put a hole in a wall because yeah the, that coffee stain doesn't matter <laughs> we're the last ones here uh, um so it's like okay what are we gonna do we have this two and a half year of like we're gonna grow and we're gonna expand and i think our vision is that you know we might need even someplace a little bit bigger later or um you know but we'll probably have to move um unless they completely renege on that uh, idea but it's it's going towards public housing so oh great uh we're just gonna be in here and it's a big life lesson as far as like uh, just watching whatever you build is gonna be destroyed anyways wow what an interesting thing and then you said you used the word mandala i don't i'm not really familiar with how that metaphor what that is so the first time i ever heard of it um was in high school we had these buddhist monks visiting our little public high school in massachusetts um they were just like residents they were staying with families in town and they built this thing it was um this beautiful geometric pattern made out of all these little, uh, is intricately designed, this all these little drops of sand, different colored sand. And um, it's just, it was huge. I mean, it was bigger than the table we're sitting at. I've heard about this. And when they finish, you know, they keep it around for a little bit, and then in a ceremonious fashion, they dump it in a river. They make this beautiful piece of art, intricately designed that they spent, they spent like month or more and you know like i'm sure there could be like more and less intricately designed ones but yeah they build this amazing thing and then they just like, so it's like the it art of like releasing your attachment to i mean something. That's, that's precisely buddhism that's right? Right. yeah <laughs> non-attachment right there uh, yeah. Totally. okay yeah. wow how cool because honestly you guys have like made this place look really beautiful so every time you hang something on the wall you must think be taking this down at some point or whatever yeah yeah um, wow so it's kind of like this uh, respect and appreciation and I think you could definitely go deeper and start to think yeah. um, you know this is our life you know like this is the material plane this is like every like you said everything that we hang on the wall of our life is going to get taken down yeah but we're not always aware of like when or no. how but in this yeah. unique situation so long as what's been told to you remains the same True. like you know you kind of when and how and why like you, you already know from the beginning so what a what a funky thing Um, yeah so just a couple more questions but what do you want this place to look like ideally because you have a really great space over Mm -hmm. here which is like this big hardwood open movement space possibly you have the clinic rooms what's like a client comes in what's the ideal situation for them receiving treatment in in this space when you say look like you mean like function and like all the aspects of it okay totally so um, to start with, and this is part of the reason why we're having a little soft launch at the moment. Um, and then oh, wait, we're yeah, when is it? We're, we're, the soft launch, there's no fanfare. It's just like we start taking patients here. Okay, got um, so That's already just, happened. Yeah, that's already happening. Like we have a yoga class being taught here on Saturday. We've oh, had, cool. You know, we have maybe even right now, like a personal trainer doing assessments in the other room. Mm. You know, things like that. So like things are, are moving here. Um, but the grand opening will be more like February. We're, we're eyeballing like 2424 as a potential uh, mm-hmm. date. But as far as what we want it to look like, we want to start with just kind of getting together a group of, like just a container for people to kind of experience healing. 
So it's, it's to serve the community. So we, we're going to have, um, we have these three treatment rooms. So we're going to have Kieran, myself, um, we have a Reiki practitioner who's already committed you know, to work with us cool. for the future. And we have another acupuncturist, uh, Sophie, who's going to be in you know, one, one of our treatment rooms the days we're not there. Um, so we're going to have people on site you know, most days. Cool. And so we're also going to use the movement space also for treatment and acupuncture in a community-style setting. So oh, folks cool. who you know, maybe don't need quite as much attention or just want to keep the cost down. And so that'll be offered in uh, zero gravity chairs, you know, kind of just set up in that so big chairs, movement yeah. space. Yeah, yeah, totally. They're up there. And then, um, so we want to have that and then we're going to have like just classes. Um, and what we want to do is kind of, in, as a teacher, I feel like this is what we think of when we think of class. But I think in the movement community, uh, we start to maybe think of them more as workshops. And I'll mm. give, uh, you know, Mason uh, <laughs> yeah. credit for that because... You know, he's kind of like, we don't want to just run classes. And I'm like, no, I agree. Um, we want things that people come into and they leave with something. So as a teacher, every lesson plan, we end with SWBAT. Students will be able to when mm. they leave. And so we want people to come away with functional like things and like very intentional. Like, what do you leave with? Mm. Um, and so we eventually plan on offering packages as far as treatment and classes and some other things. And That's that, so cool. And that way we can kind of uh, give people you know, a very holistic experience of the medicine. Yeah. Which is what I figured. Yeah. I wanted to hear about it. And I mean, damn man, I wish I was here because I'd love to be a part of some of that. But I I look forward to seeing what all that turns out looking like. You'll be back. (laughs) Sam said it first. (laughs) Um, I got that recorded. (laughs) So we have a final question we'd like to ask before we get there. I always like to give space. Like if there's anything else that you feel called to share that is like an important part of you or your message or your experience or something that you just like to a little bit of knowledge that you like to drop. Like if there's nothing, that's okay too. Oh man, I, I used to love brought. these moments as a teacher. Yeah, I, uh, I get to some. Um, I, I think right now my mind is more focused on being in our space and just kind of like getting things off the ground. It's like this is Kieran and I's, you know, little like it feels like a child. First baby. Yeah, it feels like a child, and it feels like something we're curating, and we really want to um, genuinely see it, you know, thrive. And so, it's really just the plug I'll make is like you know, reach out. Like if you want treatment, if you, you don't want to be a part of classes, if you're a teacher, whatever, like if you're listening to this, like reach out. We really want to create a space here that serves the community. It's a really magical little place. It's a little bit out of hand. Not a little bit. It's a lot out of hand as far as pricing, as far as other things in this community. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, like you, you've it's been Santa here. Barbara, yeah. yeah, totally. And I think um, we want to create a space where it's like, yeah, in our day and age, everybody needs some sort of healing, some sort of positive community, some sort of space. And so we're looking to provide that. So anybody who wants to get involved or wants to, um, you know, is just interested in receiving treatment and being a part of our community, uh, just reach out because I think we're pretty stoked to have you. And the name of your business again? Blue North Acupuncture and Wellness. And obviously we highly recommend it. I haven't been treated by Sam, but I've been in Sam's presence. And (laughs) when you're in the presence of somebody that's healthy and practicing these things, you you feel it. That's like why we're drawn to you, right? So whether or not you can get a treatment with, you know, Blue North, these guys, just fucking find yourself around them. Like whatever, yeah. or anybody that's that's practicing and embodying healthy practices. That's, you know, what we talk about all the time here. Yeah. But especially these guys. And I'll say for sure, like, I had a treatment by Kieran. Yeah. And when you receive, uh, like, I've received a lot of um, manual therapies before. Yeah. You feel a difference when 
somebody puts their hands on you and yeah. like how they know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. And the just the intuitive feeling that she did and applied to, to my body, like absolutely feels like she knows what she's doing and she's connecting to something bigger. Yeah. It, it was great. Yeah. So I'll say that. <laughs> you much. said you left feeling like high energy. I left feeling great. And this is the actually thing I forgot. So just really quick. The thing I forgot earlier that Sam was referring to. <laughs> wow, it just to, came back to you. Um, is sometimes uh, accustoned like it you feel like almost tired or in a meditative relaxed yeah. state um and i've come across this ter- this teaching for myself is like when you find yourself relaxed people can be confused with being tired or fati- fatigued and i know that that's the case for myself but most people don't know what truly relaxed feels like and it can be confusing because energized can be very relaxing mm-hmm. it's a different type of energy it's not coffee that's not the kind of energy <laughs> that we're talking about we're talking about peaceful peaceful energy yeah. calmness um, so that, that's just yeah what I remember it is in response to that post acupuncture sensation do you want to take totally. us into that, our final fun question the final question the final fun question Sam <laughs> <laughs> are you ready for this? <laughs> <laughs> That's not that wild. <laughs> What's your favorite position? No, that's not the question. <laughs> the, the question is, um, what has been the most influential journey you've been on? Ooh, most influential journey I've been on. Um, is this completely open-ended? or totally Yeah, open-ended? however you want to take it. And you can add multiple things if you want. I mean, I think it's the, it's the journey... Uh, of the past few years and I think for me just to like kind of clarify it's been this process of like you know graduating and then starting you know career as an acupuncturist so dealing with all of those things that come up in patients but also come up in you know in myself as I'm treating people whether that's because of just work-life balance or whatever um, that coupled with deepening my practice in internal martial arts qigong meditation um, because that started to get a lot deeper in, I think it was 2018 or 2019, um, when I got back. I had been practicing for some years with um, a teacher, Joshua Yoon, up in, he has a Tao Center in New Hampshire, and I kind of was like, had been away for some years, and I was like, okay, that's the, if I return to something, that's the thing. And so those sort of processes, coupled with this massive uprooting in my life, I mean, that's like, I've lived in four corners of the country this year. Lived in oh, Boston yeah. to, uh, to start off. Wow. I was down in South Florida, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, um, for some months coaching and practicing acupuncture. And then I moved to Santa Barbara. Um, and then, again, you know, like to be with Kieran and to like start a practice here. And then prior to coming back after the summer, I spent a retreat with Lindsay Way up in Oregon. So that was a very influential three, uh, three week retreat where, you know, practicing, being out in the woods, never slept inside during that time. Um, wow. so it was what like kind of retreat was this? Martial arts, meditation, of uh, you know, Junyang, Wudong, uh, traditional Kung Fu. So get all this information. Yeah, yeah, totally. So really influential, um, for me is just like, in thinking about coming back and like finding purpose again. Because it was this time of COVID, I'm sure everybody had this moment of like slowing down. Like I was working in sports, that stuff stopped. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden, I had like this. My I was racing around every. You know, right before it happened, I was at this giant. Which is a joke. You know, way. heptagonal. <laughs> another story for another thing. Um, I was at this giant. You know, heptagonal championships. Ivy League track and field, working for Columbia. You know, like 
I was racing around. I went to a seminar the next weekend. I was like literally busy all the time. And it was just like this dead stop. And it was like, what are you going to do? Develop these skills, develop these practices, reach out to these teachers, get more involved. And then now it's this gradual return of like, okay, now I was able to put these things together and I can still continue to practice and learn and to do all these things as I learn how to adequately, you know, do these things justice as I teach and create community and these sort of things. Well, we really appreciate that answer. We really appreciate your time. Fucking stoked for you and Kieran. Yeah. Can't wait to see what yeah. happens. And we're definitely going to be here when we come back through. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Looking yeah. forward to it. I'm so glad that our paths crossed, you know, yeah. like new friend. And it's so nice to like pull I'm, people in. I'm so in. glad to have met you, Mason. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, that's a joke because at first you thought he was Mason. Yeah. Um, but it's so nice to like for Tyler and I, like, traveling, and mm. we're only going to be in each space for, like, a short period of time, so it's kind of an interesting, like, even, like, neighbors that were parked next to in the RV park that we, like, make friends with, and then they leave, it's, like... It's not e- attachment practice. For yeah, sure. there's definitely an, a, there's definitely a bigger practice to this of, like, it's, it's, it's really exciting to, like, meet you and to yeah. pull you into our circle mm. a little bit, because I really love to kind of hold on to what, what I see as, like, really quality people and um but then to also for us to leave or someone else to leave and to practice like yeah like you said this non-attachment of like okay it's like bye (laughs) we we love and appreciate you and we'll see you later yeah (laughs) thanks for having me